Hey, thanks for checking out this message from LifeGate Church. We hope that God uses this message to encourage you and to help you live in the freedom and purpose that Jesus has for your life. Well, what a, uh, what, what a great video, hey? Um, I had the privilege of going with uh, Christy back in January to visit some of the Transform Centres and getting to meet the staff and the kids and... They're just doing phenomenal work, and it's just great to see how they're taking uh, the most disadvantaged in that country and transforming them uh, and generations to come. And so I really encourage you to check out more about Transform Cambodia. We're going to be playing more videos over the next few weeks. And uh, hear those stories, celebrate, and uh, let's, let's keep praying for them as well, because I know for a fact that they pray for LifeGate Church every single week as well. Well, um, good morning. Uh, if I haven't met you, my name's Andrew. I'm one of the pastors here at LifeGate Church. And uh, before I dive into a new story, I, I just wanted to... Uh, there's been a few people who've asked me about the air conditioner and what's going on. So I just thought I'd give you an update that we've, we've replaced the air conditioner. Uh, so it's a brand new model and a lot quieter and stealthier. And uh, I, I haven't heard anything from our neighbour. Um, I, I was expecting a thank you letter, but that's okay. Um, so it is hopefully all resolved at this point. Well, um, now, mo- moving on to a different kind of story, um, when I was uh, 17, I moved out of home, and I, I moved to a place called Stanwell Tops, um, and I started working, uh, doing outdoor recreation. I-, I lived on the campsite, running activities and running camps, and uh, my first year of doing that, I had, you know, I'd, I'd turned 18, and um, there was one part of the year where there were just many, many back-to-back camps. So usually a camp would go maybe three days, four days, but there was one part of the year where it was like three weeks of back-to-back camps, like every single day for three weeks. And it's one of the most exhausting three weeks of the entire year, as you can imagine. Uh, thankfully, you get a break afterwards, but during that three weeks, you're on like 24-7 for like three weeks, just going straight. And um, just before that, what had happened is that I, um, uh, what had happened is on the, the first lot of camps were starting on the Friday night, and on the Monday, I had woken up uh, to the news that uh, one, one of my family members in the UK had gone missing. And, of course, I'm, you know, half the world away, not knowing what's going on, um, feeling, you know, anxious, because you, you read about stuff like that in the news, but it really, you know, hadn't hit home for me before then. And then... Um, then what had happened is I went through the week praying and anxious and unsure of what was going on. And on the Friday morning, I woke up to the news that uh, this, this family member had been found in a lake, dead by the police. Still unsure of what happened and the circumstances leading to that. But that was the first time that I had ever really faced something like that 
before. And as you can imagine, like 18-year-old guys aren't known for their emotional maturity to begin with. Um, and so I didn't know what to do, but I knew that I had to keep working and I felt the pressure to keep working. And I had this three weeks of camp that I needed to get through. And so I just kind of pushed it down and I'm like, I'll, I'll deal with that later. Went through those three weeks. Uh, it was a great time. All the camps went well and really great uh, time. Uh, but then at the end of the three weeks, I was physically exhausted. I was emotionally exhausted. And all of this stuff that I'd been pushing down for three weeks started to rise to the surface. And I didn't know what to do with it. And so what ended up happening is that my housemate at the time, who wasn't particularly bright in that department either, uh, decided, um, decided, oh, let's, let's go down to the bottle shop and let's get some grog. And so that's what we did. And so we went and we, we got some alcohol and had, you know, started drinking and one drink turned into a few too many drinks. And, uh, of course, emotions and alcohol, not a great combination. And so all of those emotions came to the surface, but I was too out of it to even be able to control myself or know what was going on. And so what ended up happening is that I ended up walking out of my house or stumbling out of my house, feeling overwhelmed, feeling emotional, like ha having a breakdown almost, and collapsing on my front lawn, which, bear in mind, is on the campsite. So my front lawn is surrounded by lots of guest accommodation where anyone can see me. And so I'm crying on my lawn, sobbing, struggling to get up because I'm so out of it. Uh, and so I decide to do what any rational person in that situation does, and I call my boss and ask for help because I'm struggling. And so he drives from his house, like half, half an hour away, comes over to look, look after me. Uh, I end up... Uh, he helps me back into my house. My housemate was, you know, n no help at all. He was encouraging me to drink more and didn't care about my emotions. Wasn't a very good housemate. Uh, my boss helps me in. Uh, and, you know, I, I end up vomiting and he cleans me up. And when I mean cleans me up, he, like, he cleans me up like... There's, there's no boss that needs to see anyone in that state of being. But thankfully, he, he was very kind and looked after me and, you know, hydrated me and got me into bed. And then when he, when he felt like I was safe, he, he went home. Uh, so that, that was on like a, a Saturday. And then on the Monday, first thing, I ha had a meeting with my boss and the CEO And, uh, oh boy, I was not looking forward to that meeting. I already knew that I'd stuffed up. I already knew that I'd made some really dumb decisions. And so, basically, that conversation went, hey, look, we, uh, we want you to take two weeks off. Um, we want you to think about, you know, your, your actions. Because, firstly, like, 
being that intoxicated, but also essentially being in your workplace where guests can walk past and obviously that's not on. Um, so take two weeks off, think, think about it. And when you come back, we want you to give us a reason why you should still have a job. And so this is this like I'm I'm 18. This is my first like proper job, and not only is it my job, it's linked to my accommodation as well. And so I'm stressed. Uh, I went away feeling absolutely rubbish for two weeks, and a deep level of shame. Um, and so in that moment, I felt like that was going to be the end of that story. Like, okay, I'm not going to have a job, not going to have a house, I'll have to move, find something else to do. And, you know, I found a new sense of purpose in what I was doing, so I've got to find something else that gives me a sense of purpose. And obviously all my friends and connections that I've made from there. Now, I came back from that two weeks and obviously was very remorseful and said, you know, I, I, I owned it. I said, I know that was a dumb decision, I'm sorry. This is what had been happening, and I just I, I didn't know how to deal with it. I'd never dealt with something like this before. And um, anyway, so thankfully I gave him a good enough reason for me to keep my job. My housemate, on the other hand, uh, came and he he was in the same boat as me, and he's like, "Oh, I didn't do anything wrong. You can't tell me how to live your life, my life, all of that." So as you can imagine, one of us went back to our house that day and had a job, and the other one uh, went back to the house and packed the bags. Um, And so why I tell that story is that there's these moments in our life that can feel like they're the end of the story. They can feel final. They can feel like a full stop. And so for just one moment, I'm going to talk about grammar Now, for those that don't care about grammar, please don't switch off. It'll only be 60 seconds, and then we'll move on. But um, in grammar, there's a full stop, right? And a full stop is used at the end of a sentence to create a sense of finality or closure when concluding a chapter or a story. And there's these moments in our life where we can feel like they're full stop moments, like the story's over, that's it, done. But then there's another piece of grammar, which is a semicolon, which is used when an author could have chosen to end the sentence, but they choose not to, and the story continues. And so for me, this was one of those moments... That, that's it, by the way, the grammar's done, so you can switch back on again. Um, but there's these moments that can feel very final. They can feel like a full stop. But rather, with Jesus, they have the possibility of the story not being over, of the story continuing. And this was one of those moments for me. It really could have been like in any other workplace, like that would have been sackable on the spot and not even a conversation about it. But thankfully, these were, these were uh, Jesus-led managers who... You know, really saw they, they they didn't see someone maliciously trying to, you know, be an idiot, 
but they saw a young man in need who, who needed help, needed support, had made a mistake, but was wanting to grow and learn from it. And so because of that, my story went from possibly being a full stop, being the end of the story, to continuing on, and I continued to work there and grow, and God continued to do amazing things in me and through me in that spot for many, many years after that. And it you know, has led me to become the person and the man that I am today. And so I tell that to start us off today because what if I told you that the darkest, most final moments in life are not the end of the story, but merely a pause, merely a semicolon. And I want to talk today about the resurrection of Jesus and how it changes everything how it's fundamental to living a life of faith and understanding that when we understand the fullness of the resurrection and how it changes everything. And so the resurrection of Jesus, it's, it's the central part of the Christian faith. It represents the ultimate victory over death and the assurance of eternal life. And so today I want to look at how being full of faith in the power of the resurrection can transform our lives and help us to see that even the most seemingly final moments are simply pauses in the grand story of God's love and redemption. And so we're going to look at Luke's gospel. And the events surrounding the death and resurrection of Jesus are carefully written, emphasizing how Jesus fulfills God's promises to the people of Israel and the transformational power of Jesus' sacrifice. And so the story starts with the Last Supper in Luke 22, as Jesus prepares his disciples for his impending death, telling them to remember him through communion and for telling about Peter's denial. He then withdraws to a garden to pray, expressing his dedication to his father's plan while also revealing his humanity in the face of suffering. Jesus is betrayed by Judas, arrested and subjected to a series of trials before the Jewish and Roman authorities. Throughout these trials, he's falsely accused, he's mocked, he's beaten. And despite the lack of evidence, the religious leaders in the crowd demand his crucifixion and Pilate, succumbing to their demands, sentences Jesus to death. It then goes on in Luke 23, talking about the crucifixion and the death of Jesus, emphasizing the unjust nature of his death and his continued compassion for others as he forgives the repentant thief on the cross beside him. And upon his death, darkness covers the land, the temple veil is torn, um, and then Jesus is laid to rest in a tomb. So that's kind of the context before what we're going to look at, the resurrection today. And so this context in Luke, it prevents a vivid account of the death and resurrection of Jesus and it highlights the significance of these events in God's redemptive plan and setting the stage for the life-transforming power of the resurrection in the followers of Jesus. And so today we're going to look at how the resurrection gives us these things. It gives us faith in God's power It gives us faith in God's promises. It gives us faith in being able to share with others. And it gives us the faith to run daily. And so we're going to read from Luke 24. It says this. It says, On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the women took the spices they had prepared and went to the tomb. 
They found the stone rolled away from the tomb, but when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. In their fright, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground, but the men said to them, Why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He is risen. Remember how he told you while he was still with you in Galilee, the Son of Man must be delivered over to the hands of sinners, be crucified, and on the third day be raised again. Then they remembered his words. Then they came back from the tomb. They told all these things to the eleven and to the others. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James, and the others with them who told this to the apostles. But they did not believe the women because their words seemed to them like nonsense. Peter, however, got up and ran to the tomb. Bending over, he saw the strips of linen lying by themselves, and he went away wondering to himself what had happened. And so that's the story we're going to unpack. We're going to look at how those things, those events in that story actually enable us to live a life of greater faith. And the first thing I want to look at is how the resurrection gives us faith in God's power. And so the start of the story, we see this, where the women go to the tomb and they don't find the body there. And see, what this teaches us, this, this account of the resurrection, it, it teaches us to trust in God's power to overcome even the most final and seemingly impossible situations in life. The empty tomb serves as a powerful symbol of God's power and ability to bring life out of even the most hopeless and final circumstances. And in our own lives, we can trust that God's power is greater than any challenge or obstacle we may face. And so there's many examples of what this could look like in your life. But here's a few examples. The first one is overcoming a serious illness. And as some of you know, I've had a lot of chronic issues with my back for the last six months. Last week, I was actually in hospital because of it and was on bed rest for most of last week. And we can have faith in God's power when faced with severe health issues. We can trust in God's healing power and seek his guidance and wisdom throughout the treatment process. And that's because of the resurrection. Without the resurrection, it'd be very hard to have faith in God's power. But because of the resurrection and the leading events that we see in the New Testament, we can have faith in God's power. Some other examples are mending a broken relationship. We can trust in God's power to bring reconciliation and restore. And we can pray for his intervention and guidance as we work towards repairing damaged relationships. When we're coping with the loss of a loved one, in moments of grief, we can rely on God's strength and comfort, trusting that he will navigate the difficult journey of healing and finding hope. When we're facing financial difficulties, We can trust God to provide for our needs and guide us in making wise decisions to overcome financial challenges. And when we're overcoming personal struggles or addiction, we can trust in God's power to transform us and we can lean on him as we work towards breaking free from negative patterns or addictive behaviours. And so that's the first thing we can learn from the resurrection is that we can have faith in God's power, God's power at work within us. When we ask him to work, when we ask him... We can have faith in his power. 
The second thing the resurrection teaches us is that we can have faith in God's promises. And the story continues to where they're looking around and two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. In their fright, the women bowed down and the men said, Why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He is risen. Remember how he told you while he was still with you in Galilee, the Son of Man must be delivered over to the hands of sinners, be crucified, and on the third day be raised again. Then they remembered his words. And that's the last part I want to look at, the the part where it says, then they remembered his words. You see, Jesus shouldn't have surprised anyone with what happened. He told his followers exactly what was going to happen. He gave them the minute-by-minute commentary of what was about to happen. But yet in their grief, in their shock, in their sorrow, they, they lost the plot and they went, oh no, what are we going to do? And then in this moment we see, oh, they remembered what Jesus had told them. They remembered his words. And another way of looking at this is they remembered his promises and what he was going to do and what he was going to fulfill through his death and through his resurrection. And um, thankfully, we, we have not only the person of Jesus and the way that he lived his life, but all of Scripture, throughout the Scripture, there's amazing promises that God has made to us. And Jesus has made to us. And we can remember those promises and we can have faith in those promises because of the resurrection and because of what Jesus has done. And so we can remember and hold on to God's promises, allowing them to guide us and strengthen us in times of uncertainty. See, the angels in this story, or the the men with the, the shining light, remind the women of Jesus' earlier teachings about his death and resurrection. And this teaches us the importance of remembering and having faith in God's promises during those times of uncertainty, during those times that are difficult. And so here's some real-life examples for our own lives. Maybe it's with facing fears or anxiety. When we're feeling overwhelmed with fear or anxiety, we can hold on to God's promise to always be with us, always, that comes from Joshua. And to provide peace that surpasses understanding from Philippians. When we're dealing with stress or burnout, in times of stress or when we're exhausted, we can remember God's promise to give us rest and strength when we come to him. That comes from Matthew 11 and Isaiah 40. When we're enduring hard circumstances, when we're going through tough times, we can trust in God's promise to never leave us or forsake us. That comes from Deuteronomy 31. And that he will work all things for our good that comes from Romans 8. When we're struggling with feeling unworthy or ashamed, we can hold on to God's promise of forgiveness and redemption through Jesus and his sacrifice on the cross. That comes from 1 John 1 and Romans 8. Knowing that we are loved and accepted by him. And... The last part is around navigating life decisions. When faced with important decisions, we can rely on God's promise to guide and direct our steps. That comes from Proverbs 3. Trusting that he has a good plan for our lives. That comes from Jeremiah 29. These are just a handful of the promises that we can hold on to, that we can put our faith in 
and that we can put our faith in because of what Jesus has done for us. That's the second lesson, is that we need to have faith in God's power and in God's promises. The third lesson is around having the faith to share with others because of the resurrection. And so the story continues, and it says, When they came back from the tomb, the women told all these things to the eleven and to all the others. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary, the mother of James, and the others with them who told this to the apostles. And so this is the third thing I want to look at, is that we need to have faith in sharing the good news of Jesus' resurrection with others and invite them to experience the transformative power of God's love. And uh, this is a really important piece, I think, because if the resurrection hadn't happened, these women wouldn't have been enabled to go out and share their faith and share what Jesus had done with others. And who knows what would have happened otherwise. Like, we're still talking about Jesus thousands of years later. There's many churches across different parts of the world. The gospel is still being preached because of what Jesus has done on the cross, because of the resurrection. And it enables us to have the faith to share that with others and share God's love with others. Now, they, they must have seen something absolutely remarkable, right? What would have given them the confidence and the strength and the boldness to go running back and to declare this to the other followers? So that's why we can trust and have faith in uh, the resurrection, and it gives us the faith to share. The women who discovered this empty tomb, they immediately shared the news with the disciples and others, demonstrating the importance of having the faith to share the good news of Jesus' resurrection and the hope that it brings. And so some examples for this for our own lives is sharing our personal testimony. And many times on Sunday, we invite people to come up and share something that God has been doing for them. Or when we're preaching, we share examples from our own lives of how God has been working in our life. See, one of the most powerful ways to share the good news of Jesus' resurrection is by sharing what Jesus and his love and his power have done in our lives and the ways that it's transformed our lives. The second thing is inviting friends or neighbours to church. By simply inviting others to attend church with us, we can help introduce them to the message of Jesus' resurrection and the impact that it can have on their lives. Maybe offering words of encouragement or hope in conversations with those who may be struggling or facing difficulties, we can share the hope of Jesus' resurrection and the assurance that God can bring good even the most challenging situations. And that's something I've been grateful at the moment as I've been dealing with struggles with my health. There's been people who've been messaging me encouragements and checking in on me. But also that's the beautiful thing about life groups, right? Life groups aren't designed to be, you know, 10 people that have it all together. But often what you find over the course of the year is that this group of people, you know, may be struggling and the rest of the group can support them. But then later in the year, this group over here might be struggling and these people are able to support and encourage them. And that's the beautiful thing about doing life together. Throughout the year, 
week on week is that you get to support and encourage people. And that's the, that's the main reason we do it, so that we can keep going, we can keep walking with Jesus every single day. And we can be encouraged and full of hope and know that people are there to support us even in the most difficult situations of life. Um, uh, another example is sharing, you know, using social media or other digital platforms to share uplifting content or scriptures or our own reflections on the impact of Jesus' resurrection in our lives. And I know that there's uh, many people across LifeGate Church that love to share, you know, examples of this on Facebook or other platforms. And so that's the third lesson is that because of the resurrection, not only can we have faith in God's power, not only can we have faith in God's promises, but we can have faith in sharing that with others. The last point I want to look at is around the faith to run daily. And so towards the end of this passage, we see you know, the others didn't believe the story that these women were saying, but Peter got up, he ran to the tomb, and he went and saw it for himself. And so the lesson we can learn from Peter here is to embrace personal encounters with God and how it can seek, how seeking actually leads to a deeper and more authentic faith that can withstand those difficult situations, that can withstand doubt, that can withstand skepticism. See, Peter's journey running to the tomb and his personal experience with the empty tomb highlight the importance of seeking to run towards God daily in order to strengthen and deepen our faith. And that's something we can have because of the resurrection. We can have the faith to keep running each and every day. Some real-life examples of that um, can be engaging in regular prayer, setting aside time each day for prayer can help us develop a closer relationship with God and experience His presence more intimately in our lives. And there's times where we can pray on our own. There's times we can pray together. The vision nights are a really great opportunity to do that. I'm really looking forward to this 12 hours of prayer and the encounters that are going to come out of that as people seek God and God meets them. Also, studying the Bible, regular Bible study, allows us to discover more about God's character and His promises, enabling us to strengthen our faith and equip us for the challenges of life. And that's why as a church, we're doing this version thing together. We're not, we didn't just sit down and decide one day. We're like, oh yeah, let's just do that for the sake of doing something, right? We're doing it because we really believe that as we as a church dive deeper into the scriptures together, hold on to God's promises, it's going to enable us to live faith-filled lives that can withstand the circumstances that come. And that's why all of our plans, they're all around building our faith. And that's what we're really focusing on as a church this year, living lives that are faithful. Um, joining a small group or a Bible study, participating with others can help us to grow in our faith, ask questions and share our experiences as we journey together in our walk with God. And then seeking 
you know, a mentor, finding a mentor, connecting with a mature Christian who can provide guidance and support and help us navigate our faith journey and work through any doubts or challenges we may face. And I, I encourage you, that, that can be for both of us, it, it can be finding a mentor for ourselves, but it can also be seeking someone to mentor for ourselves because often what I've found from the people I invest into is actually I feel like I get far more out of the equation than they do sometimes Uh, and it's a way that God has really used to encourage me and strengthen me in my faith and so by actively pursuing God for ourselves in our daily lives we can grow in our faith and develop the resilience to keep running each and every day And so what we've looked at today, we've looked at how the resurrection gives us faith in God's power. It gives us faith in God's promises, faith to share with others and faith to run daily. See, by embracing the power of the resurrection and being full of faith involves trusting in God's ability to overcome life's challenges. It's holding on to his promises. It's sharing that good news with others and pursuing personal encounters with him each and every day. And the resurrection of Jesus is central to our faith, providing hope, transformation, and the assurance of eternal life and empowering us to live lives filled with faith and purpose. And so for you this morning, maybe you've never chosen to put your faith in Jesus. Maybe this is the first time you've really connected with what the resurrection actually means. And so I want to give you that opportunity to live a life that's full of faith. And the first step of that is following Jesus. And so I'm going to pray a very simple prayer. I invite you to pray that with me. And it goes like this. Father in heaven, thank you for Jesus. Thank you that he died for me and rose from the dead. God, I'm sorry for when I've chosen to live my own way. I choose to follow Jesus. All the days of my life. Amen. And so I encourage you, if you prayed that, um, and you know you really connected or, or God's moved something in you today, I encourage you to come forward for prayer, to let someone know, because uh, running daily isn't a solo adventure. It's not something that you have to figure out on your own. And we, we want to support you. We want to be there to encourage you when those hard situations in life come. And so we'd love to go on that journey with you. And so for all of us, as we reflect on the examples uh, that I've talked about today, what I, what I want us to do is I want to just put up this question, and I'm going to invite the band forward. I want to give you 30 seconds around this question. What do you need to do? Maybe, maybe what stood out was around having faith in God's power. Maybe it was about having faith in God's promises. Maybe it's having the faith to share with others or just the faith to keep running daily and to encounter God each and every day. Which one of those did you feel God encouraging you with, stirring within you? Take some time to reflect on that.
as we come towards the end, I, um, I want us to imagine the incredible impact that this can have on our lives, on our communities, on our church, if we embrace the power of the resurrection, if we lived with greater faith in God's power and his promises, if together we would become a vibrant, life-giving force that brings hope and transformation to the world around us, reflecting the love of Jesus, reflecting the power of his resurrection, where we have the faith to share that with others and invite others into that, but also the faith to keep going each and every day, even when those hits of life come. I don't know about you, but that's the kind of faith, that's the kind of life that I want to live. And so... I just want to pray for us and then we're going to take some time to remember and sing some of those promises of who God is. So God, we thank you for the resurrection. We thank you that because of what Jesus has done for us, it enables us to live a life of greater faith. And so we pray as we go into this week, as we face challenges, as we face situations that are out of our control as we feel tired or exhausted we pray that you would give us your power you would give us the power that we need your power would come and shift situations that are out of our control we pray that you would remind us of your promises to us we pray that you would give us greater faith in sharing the resurrection with others And also, you would give us the faith to keep running each and every day, being able to encourage each other as we go. So we thank you for this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, now we're going to sing. We're going to declare some of those promises. And I, um, I encourage you to do what you need to do. If you still feel like, you know, God's brought some things to the surface for you, I encourage you to sit with that, reflect with that. Let God do what he needs to do. If you'd like some prayer, I'm going to invite the prayer team forward. Otherwise, please sit, stand, sing. Thanks so much for checking out this message. LifeGate Church has people meeting in person and online in many different locations, and we'd love to help you get connected. My name's Andrew, and I lead our online team here at LifeGate Church, and it's our job to do exactly that. We'd love to help you find community, get support, and prayer and take your next step. So why don't you connect with us and take your next step at lifegate.org.au and click the next step button.